Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm joined by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? I'm pretty good, Dave. It's a beautiful day here in Southern California. It's about 75 degrees. Just really nice. October is just so nice in Southern California. You want to hear how it is in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, Tracy? A little bit of heat waving got going there. We got about 97 degrees cooking on us right now. It's October 4th, 4th, yeah. that's, that's the date. That's, that's just, that's craziness. Yeah. It's, I, I don't understand why more people just, I mean, there are a lot of people in California, but I don't understand why there aren't more. <laughs> There's, yeah, like, yeah, I don't get it. Well, I mean, it, it, this is, um, this is a return to form for California because there was a period there towards the end of my time, the end of my run uh, in the great state of California where it was cooking. A well, bit. you know why, though? Because you grew up in El Segundo, which is a nice temperate area. Then you went to UCLA. Then you moved to Tarzana. Yeah, that was that was a mistake. That might have been the thing in your little world that changed the climate for you. That might have changed a lot of things for me. You know, yeah. just there's, yeah, Tarzana. Don't live in Tarzana, kids. I remember my dad, uh, he'd always say this. It was so funny. He was originally from, from Illinois and then moved out to the West Coast, went to Berkeley. And then we, you know, I grew up in Southern California. And it could be raining for a week, like right after Christmas. And then New Year's Day, you know, the Pac-10 or Pac-8 representative would be playing against the Big Ten. And the clouds would open and it'd be the most beautiful day. And my dad would there be cussing at the TV going, I can't believe it. Everyone from Ohio is going to be moving out here now because why couldn't it rain one more day? Miraculously, he always said on the day of the Rose Bowl and the Rose Parade, like, Southern California weather would be spectacular. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It's the truth of it. Um, so that's one thing that Southern California has going for it. Um, not much in the football department these days. How was that? Was that good? Uh, works for me. Works. Yeah. For, I, I don't. I, I think you do an excellent job in segues because I, I think you shouldn't have to do it. You should just go. Okay, great weather. Uh, let's talk UCLA football. I mean, most of the time, that's what it does. It's more, it's more just to amuse me. Okay. Like, yeah, come okay. up with a terrible, like, dad joke segue. That's great. That's poetry right there. It, has your humor, like, pretty much stayed the same, but now it's called dad joke? So <sighs> there's either one of two things. It's being defined as dad joke because it still was funny. It's just because I'm a dad. They call it dad joke. Or when I was 25, I was letting off dad jokes. So you know? my thing is, I think there's a there's a strong, very dark undercurrent to dad humor, which is mainly it's it, it is essentially anti humor. Like it's it's almost meant to be painful and not funny. Um, and I think it's like just a commentary on that role. Like I do it more as like yeah, you know, you just can't let it rip anymore. Yeah, you're being kind of. You're being kind of contrary, ironic in your yeah. hipster way. I'm talking literally it's the same joke, but now that you're a dad. Like, let's put it this way. My daughter's 23. She can get off what would pretty much come within the parameters of a dad joke. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll go, so why isn't that a dad joke? She goes, it's not because you didn't say it. 
I mean, that's what I get from her because she yeah. says it and she's 23. It's not dad humor. Yeah, I guess there's there's um the joke itself it's it's also the tonal element to it. Um it's maybe like kind of chuckling at your own joke after you make it. Um you know, just all that stuff. I think that's oh, what really she, makes it. She dad completely joke. laughs at herself. She is now trolling me with dad jokes. Is what she does to try to see if I will say, "Oh, come on, that's a dad joke." And then she'll just kind of wryly smile at me. So, yeah, now she now I got now I got her trolling me. Yeah. Not only is she critical of dad jokes, now she's trolling me with her. D- okay. Well, trolling is the true humor of the uh, of the millennial. Yeah. 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 It's what it's what you all do all day long, right? It's what we oh, do. Oh, you're you're a millennial. Yeah. I am. I count. I count. Yeah. 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 I don't eight. consider you that though. Well, you know, it's 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 a meaningless distinction, as most of the generational terms are. All right, we're five minutes in. We haven't talked a bit about football. I think that's to everyone's preference at this point, right? Let's let's go. Okay. Got to go. So, UCLA, they compete in the sport, right? Oh, we're talking about UCLA football. Right. Okay. They, they still compete, right? Yes. They play the game. Okay. Uh, this weekend, they're going to play a game against Oregon State. And this is a meaningful game for me from, again, if we're going, if we're going to tie this whole thing together from an ironic humor standpoint. Um, this is the worst UCLA has been in quite some time. And Oregon State is consistently now, over the last four years at least, but you can make an argument forever, uh, the worst uh, program in the Pac-12. This is the battle for the seller. And I think people aren't hyping this one up enough. I think this is going to be a profound statement by both programs. Um, There is so much weird emotion going on with this game. Uh, You find yourself in kind of a whole different perspective, mentality, orientation to life, given, uh, I mean, the irony, everything. It's, the more you think about it, the stranger it really is. Um, Which is kind of funny because I conjured, when I wrote that article today, I conjured up a Stranger Things reference in the Upside Down. There you go. Um, Yeah, I UCLA is favored by six points. Yeah, at home at against home. Oregon State, a team that's won like nine games in the last four years total. I, I mean, uh, you we could almost just stop talking and just say that UCLA is favored by six points. It might even be let. Uh, hold on, I think it's nine games, but let's get accurate. Let's get fully accurate with this because I think we really need to, you know, explore this one. Oregon State won two games in 2015, four in 2016, one, and then two. Okay, so it is nine games, ten if you include this year. But the last four seasons, nine total wins. They're in double digits, Dave. Give them the double-digit wins. Come on. Well, I can't do that either because they've added some FCS wins in there. I think at least one every (laughs) single one of those seasons. They've won four Pac-12 games in the last four years. And and I'm not trying to... I just want to make this clear, Oregon State fans, we're not down at you at all. I've been in Oregon. There, I have closet programs that I root for. Or, yeah, they're not closet programs. I root for them in a closet-like manner. And you know, you actually watch their games in a closet. <laughs> you sit in a closet and you turn on the game because that's where you keep a TV. Because that's just who you are. You keep a TV in the closet because who knows when somebody's going to be in there. 
there are a lot of embarrassing sports to watch right now that you don't necessarily want. Do you, do you all go out in your UCLA gear still? Does everyone wear their UCLA hats and shirts still? Just want to check. Um, Oregon State. Uh, don't want Oregon State fans to feel that we're – but we're just trying to be realistic here. Uh, I like Oregon I, – I think Oregon State, the program, when they have gone it together – you know, during like what you would call the heyday and Mike Riley, that's a, that's a phenomenal accomplishment. That's way overachieving, I think. Um, and I think Oregon State fans have a realistic sense of where they are in the whole galaxy of college football programs, which is what I really respect because there were so many programs out there that are really delusional about what they are. And um, so I have much respect. Just want to get that out. Much sure. respect for Oregon sure, sure, State sure. and its fans. Having said that, <laughs> uh, yeah, curve your enthusiasm. Having said that, <laughs> um, the fact that they're favored by just six, the fact that I even had to write that article, the fact that it is the Oregon State game, it might be the most important game of the season. All of this is, it just, it, you keep saying these things and it kind of hits you in a weird way, doesn't it? I mean, you don't know how to process it all. Yeah. Um, and then the what if. I mean, what if UCLA loses to Oregon State? It's not even a big what if. I mean, they, they probably have a good 35, 40% chance of doing it by the odds. When the odds are, uh, when the line's six points, I looked it up, it's about a 34% chance of winning. Yeah, and there's some analytics that'll tell you, I mean, the SP Plus that I'm always citing uh, would tell you it's a closer game than six points. It should be more like four. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, I, it, it would not shock me at all if Oregon State wins this game. I, I think UCLA is going to win, and I think it's going to be somewhere between what I predicted and probably a more comfortable win, um, just because I don't I don't know if Oregon State's equipped to win this game on the road right now. If it was in Corvallis, it'd be a different story. Um, but no, it's, it's completely within the realm of possibility. The best unit in this game, by far, is that Oregon oh, State offense. Oh, she's offense, by far, yeah. And, I mean, it, if you look at... Okay, so across the board, even still, even with the decimation of UCLA's talent. UCLA is a more talented team, but I don't know if UCLA has a collection of better players than Isaiah Hodgins, Artavis Pierce, and Jamar Jefferson. Those three guys are all Pac-12 types, um, and two of them play running back for Oregon State. So, yeah, offensive line, defensive line, they're not going to match UCLA pound for pound, but they've got some playmakers that, if they're just on, this, this could get really, really interesting. Seeing the strength of the Oregon State, that running game, what are they averaging per rush? I mean, it's, oh, it's a, crazy. It's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's almost six yards per rush. Yeah, I think it might be top 10 in the country. So uh, they, have, they have a way to dominate, not dominate, but they have a way to win this game. With their running game, establish some long drives, finish off a long drive with a score, keep UCLA's offense off the field keep wearing down UCLA's defense that if, if it were their passing game, that was their strength or some, I'd be skeptical. But when you just look at this, wow, that running game could be the thing that wins this for Oregon state. 
Yeah, and I, just uh, even without going into the particulars of the game really quick, I did want to bring up something before I forget about it. When we talked about this one being an easier conference schedule than last year, what we were mainly talking about was the flip from Oregon to Oregon State and the flip from Washington to Washington State. Um, they've already lost one of those flip games, um, Washington State being a lesser opponent than Washington. This is the other one. And if they lose this one, then there's actually no advantage to the conference slate this year. Um, and I think it would be a significantly... Because I'm trying to compare last... Wait, are you saying... Did you say UCLA lost to Washington State? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Somehow I convinced myself they did. Yeah. You know what? You know what, Dave? I almost did the thing. You know, you know when you're watching a game on TV and there are two commentators and one of them makes just a complete 100% gaffe? The other guy never corrects them. He just lets them keep going That's on. That's incredible. I've somehow made it in my head that they lost the one game they've won this year. Did That's you see how cool. delayed I was? Because you don't usually make those mistakes. You see how delayed I was in processing what you said, too? Well, the truth <laughs> is, the truth Dave, is, I, I, some, I, there is some Freudian going on there. Well, also, I say things with such certainty that it's kind of difficult. You You're know? very emphatic. You yeah, are. I am emphatic. Well, scratch that point. They've won one of the flip games. This would be the other one. They might flip it and even still end up with the same record as last year. There you go. How does that I'll make do to support point. your point? I was going to say it's a completely different point. I'll argue the whole thing. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah, that was uh, – my God, that was worth all the price of admission for this podcast right totally there. incredible. Just my, the my, finest, finest moments in podcast. Drop the mic. Drop your – is your mic on your computer? Here, drop your – Let me see if I can make a noise. Hang on. Did that make a noise? That was beautiful. That sounded like a real mic being dropped. How'd you do that? Um, I took my headphones and slapped them against my keyboard. Wow. Yeah. That sounds kind of a little... Yeah, I don't know. a little dirty. A little dirty. You uh, do that a lot, like in your spare time? I mean, from time to time. <laughs> you know, when I'm thinking about it. Do it one more time. Okay. Hang on. Is that good? Yeah. I think the second one was better. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. Well... Uh, scratch that point. Let's talk more about this football game. Um, so yeah, or the got, ramifications of this football game. Well, yeah, uh, yeah that too. Um, okay. the the path the path to for UCLA winning is pretty simple. Uh, they just need to keep up. Um, th their offense. So UCLA's offense isn't as good as Oregon State's, but Oregon State's defense is plenty bad enough that a goodish performance for UCLA should generate enough points. Um. You, you are starting your second-string quarterback. Let's just say that. Let's announce uh, let's, that right now, that Dorian Thompson-Robinson, right as of this moment, maybe things change by Saturday morning, or, I'm sorry, Saturday afternoon. As of this moment, he's not starting. It's Austin Burt. Yeah, and I think UCLA's pregame graphic for the game um, is Austin Burton. So, for the Was break. it really? Yeah. I didn't see. Yeah, it's uh, funny. Yeah. So, but... I don't know. Maybe this is uh, betraying one of my theories, but I, I actually don't think that's going to result in all that much drop off, as particularly against this defense. Um, I think Burton's going to be able to throw with relative accuracy, and I, I think that's all you're going to pretty much need against Oregon State to continue to move things. And they don't—they're not going to get after him that much, I would think. Um, just looking at their pass rush numbers and w what they have on the defensive line. Now, obviously, the UCLA offense could completely collapse. I just don't think it's going to be Burton-dependent if that happens. If the offensive line is terrible, then, yeah, it could collapse. Or if the receivers drop a bunch of balls, yeah, it could collapse. But 
Um, if they have what is for them this year, like a, a good-ish performance, you know, they play somewhere between the level they played against Arizona and the level they played in the last 20 minutes against Washington State, a game they won, Tracy, I'll point out. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry I made that mistake, Dave. <laughs> it's okay. I'll forgive you. Um, okay. But if, uh, if they do that, then I think they'll, they'll hang with them in this game and, 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 and win. Um, but if the offense but looks just, like just it did listen in the first three games, just, it's done. Listen to what you just said. If they hang with them. If UCLA hangs with Oregon State, and this is not Mike Riley's Oregon State or Dennis Erickson's Oregon State, this is what was the record over the last four years? What'd you say? Nine, Nine wins, seventy-eight or something. I mean, this is what most people think is the worst team in the Pac-12, and you said if UCLA can hang with them, that's yeah. the kind of thing that's so disorienting. Isn't it beautiful? I mean, right? This is this. Uh, in the last 30 years, I wrote this today, UCLA has only lost to an Oregon State team with a losing record once in 30 years. And it was an upset. It was Jim Moore in 20. And they, UCLA still walked away with a winning record. It was his first season. Yeah, they were 9-3 that year. Yeah, 9-5. Yeah, 9-3, then lost. Yeah, God, that. I, I don't count remember. Baylor. Okay. Baylor, yeah. so uh, if we're going in the Wayback Machine really quick, Baylor is the one preview. I know. I know this is going to be shocking for people. It's the okay. one preview that I've ever written that I regret. Because really? I knew that week, because I was down in San Diego watching the practices, how absolutely unseriously they were taking bull prep. Like, they and were we, joking yeah. around. They had the young guy scrimmages, like, twice. And they were just not at all taking that game seriously. It was obvious the coaching staff just thought, oh, this is some high okay. school coach or whatever. We're going to kill him. Okay, and then they got crushed, and I predict they'll win. Here's my question for you. Uh, kind of what was taken away from that, and I think we've said this enough on the site, was that Moore didn't realize, you know, being a pro coach, Moore didn't realize, you know, that winning that bowl game was slightly important. Do you think that was really the truth? Or, I mean, can really a, a coach go through a career for 25-something years and not realize, what was that, the Holiday Bowl? What yeah, was that? that was the Holiday, yeah. Bowl, Holiday Bowl that year. Um, and not realize that winning the, a bowl game in you know, the last game of the season is kind of important? Or, or did they just really get their asses beat and that's the excuse, the kind of really bad excuse they used? I mean... That was a weird. That was a weird time, right then. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, you don't have to answer that. I just, I remember. See, I'm the weird feeling I'm having right now going into this Oregon State game is like a touchstone for all other weird feelings. <laughs> over the <laughs> <laughs> all of the other strange feelings that UCLA has made you feel over the years. Man, it's like it's like taking LSD right now. <laughs> All I'm, right, on so, I'm on shrooms right now. <laughs> so let's talk impact of this game. Um, wow, we're getting really weird. Yeah. A win, I mean, it's sort of like, you know how they always say the old trope about like playing a non-conference game away at like a group of five school that's a no-win situation? Yes. That's what this one is. I mean, a win, you're... What does that make you're, you two and four? You're back to tre you're back to treading water. Yeah, you're treading water. You're, you're still, not drowning. 
it doesn't change the projection, I think, at all for the year. Um, because it keeps them on the positive projection, like can, that we could make from this right, point the, on. The, the yeah. four and eight, five and seven path is still alive if they win this game, um, alive in a real way. Um, but so, but that doesn't change. I mean, that's where we are right now. That they could still get to four and eight, five and seven if they if they you know win the games they should. Um, if they lose. That's where things get really weird because then they're one and five through the first six. Um, and they are right where they were last year, right. right? But before you move on, let me just say this: one and five this year, one and five last year, one and five last year is the first win, right? First win of their season. Yep. They had played two good games in a row. The the morale in the team felt like you know, hey, we put it together. There was an upswing of of just good feelings and positivity one in five this year might hit the bottom of the morale barrel. I well, would think and this of is, all time. Well, and back right, when that, I was making my um, excellent point about the Washington state game, which UCLA won this year. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. God, I really screwed up. I, yeah. I don't know. Making those kind of mistakes, it's just an example of your lack of professionalism, Tracy. And No, it's, it's my age, Dave, and the ageism, ageist in you is coming out if you keep competing. That's obviously right. Obviously yeah. right. But notwithstanding the inaccuracy of your like, precepts there, I did want to bring up the comparison between this year and last year. Now, maybe the previous comparison didn't make a whole lot of sense. This one, though... Um, if they walk into the second half of the season in that position, having lost to the worst program in the Pac-12 versus putting together a great game against the best team in the Pac-12 last year, Washington, and then beating Cal, a fully credible Cal team last year, uh, that's that's an obvious, obvious regression from last year. Because right now, I think you could still make the argument that you know, it's more or less right where it was last year. But this would be, even at one and five through six, it's significantly worse. Um, Could you think of a time since you've been covering, or just in your knowledge of UCLA football, something comparable, um, a moment of, like, utter... uh, I've described it so many times. I'm, I'm losing. I'm losing metaphors. Um, well, it's, you mean like utter hopelessness? Yes. Or yeah, that doesn't even uh, that doesn't even capture it. Just where everyone, the program, the fans, everyone would be after a loss to Oregon State. No, I don't think there is another um, good example. Um, Fifty to nothing, maybe. No, because I, you knew what was coming right after that. Yeah, um, yeah. you knew that Newheisel was going to be fired, and there was like a new dawn to come, or whatever. Um, Fifty to nothing, I think it's it's hung up on by a lot of um, the more like fanny fan types who have to worry about like who's going to yell at them at the water cooler or whatever. Um, but I don't know. Those that, are that, most people there, Mister Hipster, who actually go to work every day. You know, okay. I, I you know it, that I get it, yeah, but like it, that, that one never really coolers. hit me that bad. Like the fifty okay. to nothing one. Like there were so many worse losses over the years, but this one, I think if you did this, this would be the lowest point as a UCLA football fan. If you somehow lose to Oregon State this weekend and start again one and five through the first six, 
Um, because it's just a sign there's absolutely no progress being made here. And not that a win would make that evident, but it still keeps alive the possibility that progress is being made this year. Um, this would just, I mean, I, I think it would render the whole project kind of suspect. I mean, not that we're not already <laughs> proffering <laughs> suspicions about the project, but... We've this, crossed this would make over that almost, line there, big guy. Right, this would almost yeah. make it a virtual certainty that there is just failure happening here. Okay, so failure. let's... Let's, since I'm so much into alternate universes and things, um, let's do two alternate realities. Uh, They lose Oregon State. What happens the rest of the season? Where is the program? Just not record-wise, but where is the program record-wise and at the end of the season, just the mood? Dave? So if they lose this weekend, I think the max realistic that you can hope for is three and nine. Um, where are they? Where are they getting those two wins? They're just randomly upsetting Arizona yeah, State it's, it's or Colorado. What happened with Washington State? Right, everything just suddenly clicked right for twenty minutes. I can buy that that'll happen two more times. First off, I just I just want to keep doing this as you hit on it because you are rapid fire with information, and then my don't be an aegis again, but I'll forget. Right, Washington State, I think, is going to maybe prove out that they ain't very good. Very true. And I think now the likelihood is that they finish somewhere in the 500 range after, again, Tracy, losing to UCLA. <laughs> Damn, you are just going to keep driving that one home. Got to wow. do it. Got to do it. Got to, you know, these callbacks, Tracy. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I think Washington State might turn out to be um, bad. But even still, the, the, the way the offense clicked for 20 minutes there, now, obviously not an exact replication of that. But I can buy it just kind of executing right, right? Like a okay, couple so of games they need this year. To, they need to get down by at least three touchdowns for Chip Kelly to run that offense. True. First. True, but that's going to happen. <laughs> okay, that's what I'm saying. Um, but if you look at the schedule, so if they lose to Oregon State, it's just to recap for everyone who doesn't have it in front of them. It's at Stanford, ASU at home, Colorado at home, at Utah, at USC, and then Cal at home. Um, at Stanford on the surface – because how bad they are this year, that looks like the most winnable game. Um, I know you like to be a Stanford, a Stanford critic. They're really bad. They're they're bad. They're not good. But I, yeah, I, I, you know, the only hope, the only hope. Did you watch Stanford Oregon State? I did. What 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 was was it twenty one nothing? What was it? It was twenty one nothing Stanford. Over Oregon <laughs> that's State. funny. I said that. So that's what would have to happen. Stanford yeah. goes up 21 to nothing. But that one finished 31 28. Um, and the 21 nothing was a bit of a mirage. I mean, Oregon State had some drives and they missed two field goals and just couldn't finish. Um, but I think they ended up racking up almost 500 yards to Stanford's like 350. Um, I just, okay, you, we also, you're being very clinical about this. Coming off an Oregon State loss, mm-hmm. what's the mindset of the team going into Stanford? A team, uh, a program they haven't beaten in 12 games? Oh, yeah. I'm with you. I don't think it would be a win. I think it would be a loss. I'm saying that might be the best chance chance because they're so bad. ASU has turned things around a little bit after their offensive line had a lot of issues in the opening couple of games. They made a switch. They've got a new center after the um, opening games proved that a true freshman really couldn't handle it. Um, and their offense is more stable now. It's not great, but it's more stable. 
They're uh, not a good team, but they're they they at least play like a football team. They don't give up. Yeah, like twenty-seven yard. They don't give up chunk play after chunk play. I mean, they actually play like a football team. <laughs> and I don't know if Jaden Daniels is ever going to be like an all-world superstar, but he is starting out with such a high floor. He does not make mistakes. He plays yeah. super poised. I mean, he's been incredible um, from that regard. Like he looks like a junior out there. Yeah, um, except that he weighs 147. Pounds. I mean, but how much did Manny Wilkins weigh at the end? 160. Um, like he looks like Manny Wilkins. Like he looks. I don't like know. A Manny there Wilkins are certain clone. times you see him on TV. He turns one angle and he disappears. I can't see he him. He disappears behind a blade of grass. Um, yeah. But all right. So ASU super poised. Um, they're going to be favored by probably at least a touchdown in that game. Um, have you watched Colorado play yet this season? I have watched Colorado play. I'm not impressed. Um, they do have a senior quarterback. I don't think Montez has been very good this year, um, and their defense is pretty damn bad. So that's the other best chance for a win, I think. Um, okay, do this, though. Let's just do this. When I say, what do you think of this team, do it in relation to in our little context of this, this UCLA team. They are so better, let me, not, so every there team let me ask you about, again, Dave. Every team I'm talking about besides Stanford and Oregon State is clearly better than UCLA. Okay. Um, now there's varying degrees of that. The fact that this game is at home, I think Colorado is no more than like a field goal or so better than UCLA from like a qualitative standpoint. The fact that it's at home could render this one more or less a pick 'em. Um, so, do you think so? Yeah, I, I think I, this game will probably. No, no, no! Don't forget, UCLA lost to Oregon State. Let's say then they whatever they do against Stanford and Arizona State, you you think. They'll that Colorado UCLA game will be a pick'em. Close to I it, guess yeah. so. I yeah, guess I mean so. Colorado's not going to be setting the world on fire leading up to it either. Their schedule is. Um, let's see. So I, love, I, I love that we're at this position, but they have to go. So they play Arizona this week, and then they have to go at Oregon, at Washington State, and play USC before they play UCLA on the road. That's significant, actually. Yeah. So they're going to take a beating going into this game. Yeah. Um, so UCLA might catch them at the right time, and they could eat out another win there. I'm having a really hard time seeing them doing anything really competitive against Utah. USC is always interesting, um, but I think their offense, an air raid versus this secondary. Just think about that. Don't even, throw everything else out. Just think about generic air raid against this secondary. <sighs> right. And see, I have a different impression of Colorado. Because okay. I had just finished watching watching a UCLA game, then I had on tape and I watched Colorado Arizona State. Did you watch that game? I watched a bit of it. I did too, and I don't know. Maybe I was just my old brain was askew, but to, I was impressed a and bit they did from that, what I watched. And keep in mind, they did that with mostly without their best defensive player, uh, Mustafa Johnson, and without Lavisca Chenault for most of that game. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only other game I glanced at was highlights of them beating Nebraska, which doesn't necessarily mean something, but okay, okay, well, I'll go I, with And you. I would also say Colorado looks well-coached. They look... Uh, that's it. They exactly. look well-coached, so I... That's, again, it's, I think it's... I think Stanford and Colorado are shaping up to be the best chances for wins, um, but I'm not by any means predicting wins. I'm just saying those are probably the ones where I could see it the easiest after Oregon State if Oregon State's a loss. Um, so let's then they skip finish over out with Utah. Cal. They finish out with Cal. Yeah. Without Chase Garbers, Devon Mosker looked horrible last week, but 
you know, thrust into a weird situation, wasn't prepared to play. Maybe that was weird, and we'll see what he looks like this weekend against Oregon. Um, but Cal could also be a win because the, the wheels could fall off of Cal if they don't have any good play at the quarterback position. This is what I'm going to say generally. If UCLA loses Oregon State, you know what? Even if they beat Oregon State, we they are going to have to have a second half of the season that is we are not capable or logically could predict. They are going to have to their level of play is going to have to just really jump up for mm-hmm. them, I think, to even get – I'm getting really pessimistic. But even if they lose Oregon State, for they're going to have to play considerably better in a way we couldn't foresee to get to 3-9. and nine. Yeah, I agree. And if they beat Oregon State, they're going to have to play because that really means nothing – if they beat Oregon State, they're going to have to play at a level that we could not predict having watched them in this first half of the season to get to four and eight. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I, think, I think basically what we're saying is that the Oregon State game doesn't really matter so much as a predictor for future performance. Um, it matters in the sense that it takes away what anybody with in their right mind would have said is the sure win this year and putting it in the loss column, which changes the entire complexion of the season. Um, and so if you win it, well, it's going to be hard to get to four and eight. And if you lose it, it's going to be really hard to get to three and nine. Um, so yeah. I don't think it will change all of that much except for the impression you have of the season as a whole, because uh, unless they blow them out, even if they blew them out looking great, even if they blew them out looking like, I won't say, if they blew them out while running a tempo offense, that's like what they did at the end of the Washington State game, that will change my complexion of the team. Um, yeah. If they don't do that, no matter what the final score is, I don't know that it's going to change my complexion of the team, like my impression of what this team looks like or what they're right. capable of or the final six. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably pretty much exactly where I am. I'm just, I'm so far away from being convinced that they can put it together. Yeah. Like even put it together last year when they played better in the second half of the season. I mean, they still, you know, had a losing record (laughs) in the second half of the season. Yeah. So I, they are going to have to play at a level that we cannot predict. On, and just in so many ways, it's just the offense will have to get more consistent, and I'm going to use all the cliches, more consistent, execute better. Let's just say that that is like what Jalen Irwin said. And I, I really respect Jalen Irwin because I, I sincerely, doing that interview with him, I sincerely believe he's genuine, that he believes this. He's bought in that they're just a few bits of execution away from it all coming together. So let's just say that's true. What about this defense? What's the thing is the the offense, I'll still buy that it has potential, right? Yeah. That, that there's yeah. still the, uh, the possibility that this could work out. I think everyone who's like game by game saying, oh, this offense is hopeless, Dorian Thompson-Robinson needs to play receiver, X, Y, and Z, like all that stuff. I think you're getting caught up in what's a, what's a horrifically bad moment for the offense, but there's potential there. 
This defense right. has been consistently bad the entire time. They were bad yeah. all of last year um, by the numbers. I mean, at the very, very, very beginning of the year, you can make an argument they were credible against Cincinnati at the very, very beginning of the year in 2018. They've been bad this entire year. And this secondary, I, I was trying to think about some of those really awful Durrell secondaries towards the end where they were just bend but don't break and it was awful. Um, like the Larry Kerr defenses. Um, and I, this is, I think, the worst um, I've ever seen from a UCLA secondary. Because it's inexplicable, too. Like, what they're trying to do, I don't even understand. Because if you watch, it's not as if they're just being passive. They're also doing weird stuff where, like, suddenly you'll see all 11 guys pressed up within, like, 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And they just look so poorly coached because it'll be a safety just deciding, oh, I'm going to drift over this way and try to cover that running back out of the backfield. And then there's absolutely no backline coverage. Or when they're in cover three, the corners are going to drop 50 yards off the screen. And it's just, there's no situational awareness they don't look like they've been coached on where they're supposed to be on particular downs and distance. It just, it's inexplicable. I have no idea what the secondary is doing. And even the last couple of games, they've gotten a little bit more pass rush. Keyshawn Lucier South being in, generally just, you know, the defensive lineman winning a few more one-on-one -on -one matches up front. And it's not changing anything in the secondary. The secondary is playing just as bad, if not worse, over the last couple of games. And Darnay Holmes, who was actively good last year and yeah he's recovering from an injury but he doesn't look great um and the rest of the corners have all regressed from last year it's it is baffling for me to watch this me uh, i'll touch on the secondary for for a second I, we used to attribute it to a lack of of pressure on the quarterback and and you know the basic football theory always is that if you give a quarterback enough time it's a losing proposition for any secondary to cover receivers after four seconds. It's you just can't do it. They can go find some open ground. And if you give a quarterback long enough, he's going to find a guy open. So that was always what we thought, especially coming off of last year, because the secondary, the coverage was pretty good right now. I don't, I'm not even attributing this to, to pressure in the quarterback because so often the quarterback is finding a wide open receiver within three seconds. There's there it's, and I looked at it closely. It's not even a matter that there's a cushion. It's even when they're, they're pressing too. So it's really stunning how I think a lot of it actually is, is some tactically that they, that they are uh, providing a cushion and they're probably not pressing enough. Um, but that's, that's the most stunning takeaway from the defense this year is that the court without pressure quarterback is still making an easy throw <laughs> within three seconds. Um, so one, two, I'm piling on here, but you know, everyone says kind of the silver lining of the defense is that's a pretty good rush defense. Well, is it though? Really? It's, it's it's good at a very specific thing, which is if a team decides that they are going to run between the tackles in a pretty traditional way, this defense is designed to be have a comparative advantage there. 
to break out an economics term. Um, they're going to be better at that than they are at anything else because they've got some bulk up there. Um, they, they are have averaging. Been. They're averaging giving up a hundred, 162 yards a game, and oh, get out of here four, with your total stats, buddy. And no, four. It, and 4.3 yards per rush, which is 66 in the country. But I would that's – so, our, That's our silver lining. Yeah, and I don't think it's the rush defense as a whole. Um, and I think teams are going to increasingly scout this out. But it's if you run between the tackles. Um, if you get anything outside against this defense, I mean, the, slow linebackers and a slow defensive line um, and poor tackling just kind of across the board in the back seven. So what that average is brought up by a lot of quarterback runs um, – Jalen Hurts killed this team on, I don't know, it wasn't that many carries, but he had over, I think, 100 yards. Um, but that that kind of stuff, I mean... The shovel passes with Arizona? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, those exactly. came under passes, right? But all that stuff that's lateral that hits the edges, I don't know why yeah. teams aren't doing more of that. Um, maybe just not scouting it properly, or they have like a... Uh, specific plan of their own where they want to establish inside. Um, yeah, that's what all coordinators do. We got to establish one thing so we can do another instead of, hey, they don't do this very well. Let's just do it. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. That was such a Noel Mazzoni thing because he clearly did do enough film work to understand that they weren't doing anything laterally and that was all in the script. And then they just completely went away from it after the script was done. Like just completely. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to try to do this weird stuff that doesn't work. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, I, I think I pointed out only because if a team decides that they're going to be super stubborn and try to run up the middle, this UCLA defense is equipped to stop that and pretty much only that. Maybe we should just end on that because I think we're depressing a lot of people like as they're driving home on their commute. <laughs> Well, and they're either going to so go off the shut freeway. It off. So many people shut it off when you screwed up the Washington State game, to be honest. <laughs> so no one's listening right now, and we can say a lot of things mm -hmm. that we've always wanted to say about other things that, that no one's going to hear? Right, exactly. Wow. This, um, is, an, this is an opportunity. <laughs> it really is. Um, okay, so what's your prediction? You think they're going to win? Um, again, uh, with this team, I keep going back to what's very UCLA-ish, and it's, it's UCLA-ish to win this game. To win it big or win it ugly? That's the question. Uh, both is pretty funny, but win it, win it ugly. When's the last time UCLA won a game that wasn't ugly? Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe the Cal game last year? USC. USC, okay. I'll give them USC. I think that yeah. one was pretty in its own way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's Washington State was ugly in its own way. Um, I mean, winning pretty means putting together I mean, a complete game where you actually should, dominate your opponent. You're just trolling right now, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You guys, you're this this millennial trolling. Just wow. Mm. Um, no, I think they win ugly. Yeah, that's where I am. Um. And again, the fact that we're even talking about this is just is just stunning. I mean, we had said the most important games of the season were Cincinnati and San Diego State leading up to this, which were kind of which were you know bizarro world to begin with, and now this is. Yeah, 
Well, Cincinnati was the obvious one because I think still think, you know, looking back on it, that was the first the first sign that this team was probably not making a bowl. And that's what we were saying at the beginning of the year. If this is going to be a good year, they probably have to beat Cincinnati. And then San Diego State was the one where it's like, well, if, they, if they're going to improve off of last year, they really need to win this one. And they didn't. So now it's a question of whether they're going to hold serve on just being a pretty bad instead of absolutely horrific. Um, you know, these were the benchmark games. Um, Cincinnati, you win that. Okay, eight and four is a real possibility. San Diego State, you win that. Maybe you still can improve off of last year and be maybe a five and seven, six and six. And then this one is, are you going to be three and nine again? Um, or is there still an outside chance you could do something else? You know, Dave, the fact that you keep repeating and bringing up that I blew that Washington State game, I'm amazed you haven't brought up my season prediction. What did I write in our in my I, in our season honestly, prediction? I, what I, did I, I didn't write? want to because I think it's too embarrassing for you. Um, but you wrote in the season preview that you write um, that I don't write. You write. No, I write it. You don't write it. Right, exactly. Um, in that preview, and I was baffled of this at the time. I couldn't believe you put, brought this up, but you said. UCLA was going to go eight and four in the regular season, nine and four overall. And didn't you like on a phone conversation, like say, Tracy, don't do it. Maybe don't that's a little it. optimistic. I know you're being kind of funny, but no, it's not. Don't do that. It'll make us didn't look you bad. Even, didn't you even say, I think they're going to start out one and four because you're always right. And I'm, I'm exactly right. Wrong. Exactly right. And I'm glad you're bringing this up this way um, yeah. because I think it's important for people to know. I just want to be um, up front. Who the voice of reason is here. Who's the one who gets a little outlandish. I think people need to know that about our yeah. dynamic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, Tiger Campbell looks like he's practicing. They've got themselves a point guard. I like that. There was no segue because I think we just needed to rip it off like a Band-Aid. Woohoo! Went right for no segue. That was good. Um, yeah, so that's great. Having an actual point guard this year would be uh, pretty sweet. I'm hearing from uh, around the program cautiously optimistic. It is really all going to come down to uh, with the bat. We're talking about the basketball season now. If everyone didn't realize, because we didn't kind of give you a rhythm of a segue. Uh, it's going to be whether the team kind of buys into a team concept, and it's just not about sharing the ball. It's just about it's going to be about body language and and just attitude and I think that's one of the main things that uh, the new staff is trying to teach and engender in in this team and that's a challenge no matter how talented guys are that that's a challenge because if they've been doing it a one way you know you, you miss a shot and you sit there and pout for a while. It's hard. How do you get them out of that? Right. So that's the challenge. But I think, I think these players right now want to win, and they see they see the path towards winning is the one that Mick Cronin is providing them. I, it's going to be a struggle, I think, along the way. Yeah. But I, I, cautiously optimistic is what I'm hearing. Yeah, and that makes sense. I think that they're going to. Uh, potentially buy in to that over time a little bit better because, and I think we made this point before, but worth reiterating, maybe we haven't, who knows. But I, I think if there were some other guys still on the team 
and uh, no knock on Jalen Hands, Chris Wilkes, or Moses Brown, but those guys being kind of hot shot or going to the NBA types, I think the Get, buy-in might have yeah. been tough. Tough. Tougher. Because were you really ever going to keep those guys from getting their shots? Exactly. Because that's what happened last season. Just flat out, those guys went after their shots. And could you have changed that? Everyone left who was there, you could potentially see play in the style that Mick Cronin wants them to play. Even a guy like Prince Ali, because you you could see him – not being super happy with the way his first, you know, three years in school have gone, or well, it's actually he's a redshirt senior now, right? Yes. Yeah. So first four Wait, years in school have gone, and he could have transferred as a grad transfer, and he stayed. Yeah, and I mean, from a athletic makeup standpoint, he seems like a perfect fit for a defense first thing. He just never has been, I, I think, coached or, or or maybe has demanded it of him, of himself. But a lot of times, a coaching change is an opportunity for a player to you know, reinvent himself a little bit. Um, Dijon Thompson did it when Howland came in. You know, he went from yeah. kind of being a shoot-first type guy to, you know, playing a different position entirely. You know, playing power forward, basically. Um, and that turned out to be pretty good for him. And it turned out to be something that gave him a long career playing basketball, even if it wasn't purely at the NBA level. Um, you know, I, I, you could see that for somebody like Prince Ali, who has athletic ability, um, and maybe he, you know, can kind of carve out a really good role on this team, but it's all going to be dependent on that buy-in. Um, but there isn't, I, I, there isn't that strong voice who would be kind of pushing the other way. Prince Ali's probably a guy who's dissatisfied with how his first four years in school have gone. What I want to see, my number one priority this season is if, you know, over the last six seasons, we'd see someone not playing hard. Like not just not just one trip up the court, but not playing hard. And any of us who have coached like, you know, any level of basketball, just even ten year old basketball. If like you myself. Saw a kid, I'm a championship you, winning uh I I am too Dave. Yeah. Anyway. And the reason I won is my very first thing is I want you all to play really hard. And the first time I saw someone not playing hard, as because I was a brilliant coach, I took the kid out. I want to see the first time when we recognize someone not playing hard, like really clearly not playing hard. I'm I'm just looking so forward to him getting yanked. It's going to be so much fun. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. So basketball starts in well, just just a month from now. Not long, November. We have an exhibition game against Stanislaus State, but then Long Beach State is November 6th. That's going to be great. I think so. I I mean, maybe we're putting too much on this because of all that frustration and angst that's coming off of the football season. I'm putting a lot on it because I'm I'm really done with not enjoying watching UCLA basketball, and I would really like to enjoy watching UCLA basketball again. Uh, that's it. You nailed it. Exactly. Did okay. Let's be straight. You're on a truth. Uh, you know, you're on a lie detector right now. Did you enjoy at any moment watching UCLA play during the Steve Alford era? Um, stretches of the Lonzo Ball year were enjoyable. Um, at no other point was it really enjoyable. Okay, so 
you could I could pick out a couple of moments where everyone just kind of came together and played well. Um, that first Pac-12 tournament, I want to say, the one where they looked pretty good, I, I think, in winning the Pac-12 tournament. You know, you could talk yourself into that, that first team. And then the Lonzo Ball year, there were stretches where it was fun. Um, besides that, no, not at all. You know, it's really funny, and I know this sounds like I'm saying I have brilliant 2020 hindsight, but it's only because I did have some insight into uh, the whole ball family in AU and just what an absolute circus and mess it was. And I, I was really against UCLA taking Lonzo Ball and getting involved with the ball family. Uh, I said it a few times on the board. I didn't kind of drive it home that much because, you know, everyone – yeah. Everyone was so much riding on that bandwagon, so I didn't want to seem too. And given that, I'm not saying, wow, you know, hindsight, look how much I nailed that. But during, because I had established that emotional stance for me, I never completely enjoyed the Lonzo Ball season because to me, it had an asterisk next to it. I just always thought that it, there, everything that I knew just tainted the whole thing. And yeah, now we're seeing pretty much the roots of everything is now growing into a big full fledged tree. And I was there when the roots were coming up. So yeah, that I couldn't get into it at really. Um, I guess I liked the way they played on offense just because Lonzo was such a great passer and he, he would had such great vision, but I still, I couldn't, I couldn't suspend disbelief. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, and I, I think we, we walked out of that season, I think, with the same basic thing. Okay, well, now we're going to see if that is at all sustainable. Um, and then yeah. it very quick, quickly and obviously wasn't. Um, so it was a, a, and I think for UCLA fans, it was a desperately needed respite from what had been like a couple of really bad years after that first like semi okay year with Kyle Anderson and company. Um, yeah. So I think it was welcome for all of them, but then it very quickly went to crap again, proving that it was, you know, that combo of Lonzo Ball, TJ Leaf, um, you know, that really did the job. Um, yeah. And it's just, yeah, I mean, it wasn't enjoyable um, for any other stretch of time, and that time was mo- mainly because of an individual player who wasn't going to be there beyond that year. Um, this, you know, I, I watched some Cincinnati. I could get behind that style of play. I can watch a defensive-oriented team and get excited about that. They look well-coached. This team will probably be well-coached. So, yeah, that's that's enjoyable. That's fun for me. And if so, they lose a couple, if they never win a national title, as long as they look well-coached like they know what they're doing, it's UCLA, they should have enough talent to win the league pretty damn often, that's fine. Uh, I, my expectations are so much lower now. It's just yeah. don't look like a disaster on the court. Don't make it so boring and awful to watch. And I don't care if you never win another national title. That's fine. Just win the league a bunch and make a couple of deep runs in the tournament every now and then. Fine. Just don't look like a disaster on the court. You know what I did this summer? It was really kind of a fun little exercise. Um, so whenever I watch a UCLA basketball game, I'm really probably focusing mostly on the UCLA team. Uh, judging whether they're playing well, what, whether they're playing hard, whether they're executing, whether uh, I'm... And, of course, I'm looking at the other 
the other team. I'm looking at the opponent, mostly in relation to how it's impacting UCLA because I need to write about UCLA. Um, I went and watched the UCLA Cincinnati game and really try to mentally detach myself from that and watched it as if Cincinnati was UCLA and I had to write about Cincinnati from it. Wow, that was amazing. It was am- how hard they played, all the little things, fundamental things they did, and then my disdain for that opponent who just played, oh my God, so horribly right. <laughs> and with such little discipline and just the the effort level sustained by my team, Cincinnati, and watching that game was phenomenal. So yeah, that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. So I, I'll take that. I'll take that. That's fine. And, and a little ca- caveat, it might not be fully this year because watching a team like that, those are guys that Mick Cronin had for you know a number of years and he, got, he was able to brainwash them with his style. He hasn't had that much time <laughs> to do that with these guys. It's their first year. So, you know, just a little bit of a disclaimer there for everyone. We would, don't want to blow up expectations too much. No, but I, I want to see the things you talked about, which is if it isn't going right, pull the guy who's not playing hard. You know what I mean? And yeah. I want to see those early signs. Because yeah. that even was missing. There was no institution of discipline. There was no none of that stuff. Um, yeah. So just signs that this team is actually being coached, that'd be great. That would be enough for me this year. I, I think they're going to be actually fine. I think they're going to be pretty decent this year. Um, but enough for me is that they look like they're being coached next right. year is when the thing, the expectations actually start kicking in for, okay, win some games and stuff, but just look coached this year. I mean, and if you just look coached, I think they're good enough that they'll probably make the NCAA tournament. Um, but beyond that, uh, beyond this year is when the actual expectations kick in. But for now, I, <laughs> my expectations are extremely low. Okay, so everyone remember, I'm the one that said UCLA would go 9-3 and three in football. I'm the one who said they lost at Washington State. And I'm just the one right now who said UCLA basketball is going to the NCAA tournament. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Remember that about, about Tracy. Wanna, write um, all that down. I'm people. always rational, conservative. That's me. Um, Tracy yeah. is always pie in the sky. You know, <laughs> always, always thinking about the next horizon. Yeah, I'm just, I'm so delusional. So it's, delusional. And just yeah. getting basic facts wrong, too, when you're trying to support a, 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 a obviously passionately held point um, <laughs> that you just immediately then flip on a dime um, when your facts are called into question. Um, if people came in and started listening to this in the second half of this podcast, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be judged here. I think pretty uh, I, severely. I mean, yeah. that's, everyone go back and listen the wacko, to the wacko, but, but think about the wacko who comes in halfway through a podcast. Like, or they weren't paying attention until right now, let's say. Well, we, but, do, hey, we did. If you haven't dead, been we, paying attention <laughs> and you don't know what we're trolling, go back to about the seven minutes. minute mark. 18 what, minutes, what? Mark. It was oh, deep in you, already. You know that. How do you know it was 18 minutes? Because uh, I stared at the air. Uh, it might have been like 14. Um, okay. It was, it was somewhere in the teens. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, that's right. <laughs> and one final point on football, because we're making this point about basketball, and I do just want to say this. Um, what's bothered me the most the last year and a half um, isn't so much the losses. 
um, though that's been bothersome and some of them have been egregious. Okay, I'll take look the losses. So, it's you that go they for look the next so boring doing it. This team has been boring to watch. Um, and UCLA just feels awful to watch. Like, they're not doing anything interesting or exciting most of the time. Obviously, in that Washington State win for UCLA, Tracy, uh, yes. that was an exciting 20 minutes. But more often than not, they've looked boring um, and unfun to watch. And On both sides of the ball. On both sides of the ball. And it's just, I don't mind if, I mean, if you want to talk rebuilding and the whole thing, fine. Four wins through the first, whatever, 17 games. Okay, I guess. But look like you're trying to do something interesting. Don't run four tight ends and just run a bunch of dives into the line of scrimmage. I don't want to see that. Yeah. It's garbage. Yeah. And on defense, it's the same, even though we we can kind of uh, uh, not necessarily agree. I, I just think at this point, just try some things. Fail spectacularly. Exactly. Please, just, just rush seven guys one time. Just do something. Try to get a big negative play. Yeah. Just do what you can to get that. Um, and give up a bunch. You're, you already are giving up the most jump plays in the country. Just try to get a big negative play somehow. And, That's and, all and, I'm saying. And, and throw this four tight end set to the moon. Like, it needs to go away. What's very interesting is, if you haven't read, in Chris Osgood's piece, uh, I think he said that it's that the 14 personnel is getting is about a third of the time it's the least successful of the three different personnel groupings that has been used. And the 13 personnel has not been used this season which was the most successful last year, I believe is what he said, or one of the most. So they, he's, Chip Kelly has scrapped 13 and gone to 14. So, so is next year going to be um, five 15. personnel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because five it's personnel be, will be sweet. It's going to be five. Zero running back. <laughs> go, empty, go empty with five tight ends. Yeah. <laughs> And it's a direct snap. You, you don't really need a quarterback. It's well, a actually, snap. then you could go six. You could go six personnel um, and have the person who's getting the direct <laughs> snap be a tight end, too. That's true. <laughs> okay. We keyed. Um, Not really. But, okay. Yeah. This, okay. Has been, this has been a tough little podcast here. Yeah. We, we've been kind of tough on things. We've been, uh, we've been tough. Yeah. Been tough. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, people. Yeah, it's okay. It'll be okay. Um, look, we're all going to get through this together, and that's the thing that matters. We're all going to be safe. We're all going to get through it together, and look, that's all you can ask out of life. Okay, we need to end it right on that. That was a beautiful sentiment. See ya. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>